This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. We've got the Final Four. It's all set. Vegas, Montreal, Lightning, and the Islanders. Three of the four Final Four teams were there last year. Montreal is the new team, but they were a player in the postseason last year and did well, so it really shows that experience seems to count. Last night, the Vegas Golden Knights take care of the Colorado Avalanche in six as they win game six going away. Good back-and-forth game, but Vegas just proved to be way too much. And a couple of things I want to get into here. Nate McKinnon's really feeling it. He's hearing it from people that another star player can't advance. Third consecutive year, Colorado can't get out of the second round. President's Trophy winner now bounced early in the playoffs for the sixth consecutive year. you got to go back to 2015, the last time the President's Trophy winner made it out of the second round, and that was the New York Rangers who lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the conference final that year. So it's been a while since we've seen a President's Trophy winner win the Cup. But McKinnon's getting abused because he was so quieted in this series but people need to realize something here okay this is not the nba where one star player or two star players can carry the load you you play your 20 minutes but that leaves 40 minutes of hockey to be played by everybody else and when you look at the vegas golden knights they're not relying on one guy even though they're getting a tremendous amount of production production out of Max Pacioretty, but if it's not Stevenson, it's Tuck. If it's not Tuck, it's Marsha Show. They got a couple of goals out of their fourth line last night in a huge game at home, and they wanted to win that not have to go back to Colorado for a Game 7. So that's the difference is that in the NHL, you look what the Islanders are doing, and to a certain extent Tampa getting production from more than just a couple of guys. And Colorado became very easy to defend, and a very well coached Pete DeBoer. This is he's a he's a series away from taking a third different team to the Stanley Cup final. Took the Devils there, took San Jose there, and if they can dispose of the Montreal Canadiens, he will take Vegas there. And that's a really good, well-rounded team that was right there with Colorado, too, okay? The Avalanche did not lose to some upstart team, okay? They weren't knocked off by the Nashville Predators. They weren't knocked off by the Montreal Canadiens. They were knocked off by a team that they went back and forth in that division all year. They were the two of best teams in the NHL. We talk so much on this podcast and elsewhere. What a shame it was these two teams had to hook up in the second round. So you want to say choke job, what's wrong with the Avalanche? Hey, the Avalanche had to go with uh, go up against maybe the best team in the NHL right along with them. Somebody was going to have to bow out. A good team was going to have to bow out in the second round. Now, how they bowed out, we can get into that. They de- destroyed Vegas in the first game, and that clearly looks like it was just because Vegas had to go seven with Minnesota, and Colorado was able to advance quickly in their first round, and that certainly affected Vegas, and they went with Leonard in the first game instead of Flurry. Then they win in overtime on a bogus call in OT, and then the rest of the games were just dominated by Vegas. And Vegas is a really good team. So Colorado's got to toughen up in some places. We can't forget about the fact that Kadri was suspended. Another year in which um, Nazem Kadri sees his team get eliminated while he's in a suit in the press box serving a suspension. He's their number two center. So that's going to affect Colorado too. So you lose Kadri, and a lot was placed on that top line of Saad, who had a pretty good series, ranted and also a pretty good series, but McKinnon didn't get much done. But then the drop-off was distinctive. You know, you have Landeskog on the line with Comfer, and uh, that didn't seem to click at all. And, you know, Barakovsky didn't have a goal until last night. 
Uh, Don Scoy uh, was relatively quiet at times, so they just didn't get the well-rounded scoring that they needed. And let's face it, too, Marc-Andre Fleury outplayed Grubauer. I thought uh, some of those goals were a little weak early in the game allowed uh, by Vegas. And, And listen, Vegas was the better team. And they deserve to win. Now, should Colorado have gone that quietly into the goodnight, getting outplayed in five of the six games in this series? Probably not. But certainly they have a chance to improve. And I I would not be that abusive to Nathan McKinnon and the Avalanche as some sort of a choke job that's being disrespectful to Vegas, who is just a tremendous, tremendous team. McKinnon has really put together a a really nice playoffs in his career as well. He's right up there um, with some of, like, I think he's just behind Curry for points in his first 50 games in the postseason. So a tough series for him, but a tough series for Bednar. Tough series for Joe Sackick, tough series for the Avalanche, but they just lost to a better team. I don't care what the 56 games said. Vegas was the better team, and to me, they're the odds-on favorite to win the Stanley Cup. And now they'll take on a Montreal team that, you know, uh, you just you can't just discard. We did it against Toronto. We, we did it in, in the next round uh, as well that this is a team that is just they're eventually going to get beaten uh but you know what they deserve to win against Winnipeg they were deserve to win against Toronto and now they're going to go up against a Vegas team that quite frankly is is better than anybody Montreal has faced okay Toronto certainly was affected by the loss of Tavares and I know the goaltending from Campbell I hear it on Twitter all the time statistically was good but Campbell is what he is right uh, he's not an elite goaltender in the NHL. And and Connor Hullabuck can be, and he's been a Vesna Trophy candidate. But now you're going up against Vegas where Marc-Andre Fleury's on a roll, right? Only three goaltenders in the history of this sport have won more in the postseason than Fleury, right? And if Vegas does win this series, he'll become the third winningest goaltender in postseason history because he's only a, a handful uh, of games away from third. It'll take a while to catch Brodeur and way long and probably won't catch Patrick Waugh. But this is an elite goaltender. He's playing at a very high level, having a tremendous season, may very well win the Vesna Trophy. At least he's a candidate for it. And a well-rounded Vegas team, as we mentioned. It's not just about shutting down you know, Marner, and it's not just about shutting down um, you know, Matthews or Nylander. It's about shutting down all four of their lines. And again, uh, you know, they lose Tavares in Game One. Does Toronto Shifley with this with the dumb penalty and the suspension? So the Jets didn't have one of their best players for the last um, uh, three games of that series. So I don't know. Is Vegas going to have somebody that they're going to lose? So again, I'm not taking anything away from Montreal. Kerry Price right now is your Con Smythe Trophy winner, right? He would win the uh, playoffs MVP by the way that he has played, but. Again, there were some breaks there with losing Shifley in the Winnipeg series, losing Tavares in the Toronto series. Now you're going up against a better Vegas team. They were better than those teams during the course of the year. There's not one guy to stop, an elite goaltender. This is going to be some heavy lifting for Montreal. And also, something that really comes into play here, and I'm not sure by the time we get to Game 3, which will be obviously late next week, what are we going to do with the with the crowds in Montreal? I mean, you're going to go from a full building in Vegas with a tremendous atmosphere to a building that, as of right now, is only going to hold 2,500 people. I mean, it's going to be like nothing we've ever seen in the history of the playoffs where one building is going to be full and the other building is going to have practically nobody because the rest of the playoffs, Colorado and Vegas, great atmosphere, Boston and New York, great atmosphere, and in Canada, 
these teams have played each other and nobody was really in the building for either series. Montreal actually had the most at 2,500 and that wasn't until late in that Toronto series. That wasn't until I believe game six of the Toronto series that they were even able to have 2,500 or maybe it was game four, but it was late in the series and Winnipeg and Toronto only was able to have about 550. So zero atmosphere in either building. So everything was fair. Now for the first time, you know, Montreal is going to play in the conference final. Instead of having an apoplectic bell center, they're going to have at least right now, unless something changes, 2,500 fans and then go to Vegas where they're going to have practically a full building and the atmosphere is going to be amazing. So you're going to see a crazy juxtaposition we have never seen in sports before. And I wonder how much that will negatively affect the Canadians. But you, you can't discount them. What they've accomplished has been tremendous in these playoffs. But this is a whole nother beast they're taking on in Vegas. So I respect Montreal. I think they will come to play. I think Price is very good. Uh, but I'm going to pick Vegas in six in this one. I'm going to give enough respect to Montreal that they'll steal a couple of games and maybe make Vegas sweat. But at the end of the day, I think Vegas is advancing to the Stanley Cup final. But what an amazing first four years for the Golden Knights, right? Three times they've gone to the conference final and have gone to the playoffs every single year uh, as uh, a member of the National Hockey League for four seasons. And let's not forget the one year they were bounced in the first round, they blew the 3-1 series lead against San Jose and all that craziness in Game 7 that they very easily could have won and probably feel they were jobbed by the officials. Uh, for the penalties that were called in that game. So Vegas has just been an unbelievable uh, expansion team that is going to have a lot of put a lot of pressure on Seattle when they enter the league next year to kind of do the same, which I think is a virtual impossibility. And we also just found out, because we talked about this on Wednesday, not thinking anything was going to happen, but now it will. Uh, the NHL has decided that the winner of Vegas-Montreal will be awarded the Campbell Conference Bowl, and the winner of the Lightning and the Islanders will receive the Prince of Wales trophy. So there will be a presentation after the series, and for the first time in their history, Montreal's got a chance to win the Campbell trophy because Vegas already won it a couple of years ago when they went to the Stanley Cup final in their first year. And, of course, um, the Islanders and the um the Tampa Bay Lightning will will have a chance to do that again with the Prince of Wales trophy. So there will be a trophy awarded at the end of this series. So now we go to the Islanders, who did a tremendous job the last two games against Boston in finishing off Boston in six and advancing to the conference final for the second consecutive year. Uh, Tuka Rask is going to have surgery on his hip, and he might be out until January or February of next year. So clearly, Bruce Cassidy was right, and Rask was not at 100%, and you're not going to be able to beat the Islanders if you don't have a goaltender that's 100%. And you wonder if Yaroslav Halak had been healthy, whether he would have been an option. You didn't want to go to a kid in these must-win situations. So Islanders took advantage of it. Brock Nelson was a beast in this series. Beauvillier has been very good, not just in these playoffs, but last year's playoffs. Barzell woke up late in the series. So I love this Islander team. Um, my bracket had the Lightning taking on the Vegas Golden Knights, but looking at the way this Islander team is playing, I like this matchup against Tampa. Uh, the Lightning are a team that can beat you any way you want to play it. We've talked about that. You want to win 2-1, they can do it. You want to win 6-4, they can do it. Vasilevsky's been unbelievable, but I think this Islanders team is better than they were last year. Um, the loss of uh, Anders Lee is huge, but you know the way Palmieri has played is maybe compensated for that just a little bit. Farlamov has been terrific. And let's not forget about what happened last year. These two teams hooked up in the conference final, and the Islanders lost in six, and they lost game six in overtime. 
But if you remember, the Islanders had to go seven with Philadelphia while Tampa wrapped up their series early. So they had a week off to fly to Edmonton whenever they wanted to for the conference final, very well rested, where the Islanders had to win that game against Philly, that game seven, on their day off, the only day off before they started against Tampa, had to fly cross-country from Toronto to Edmonton, and they got whooped by like six, seven goals in game one. Very eerily similar to what Colorado did to Vegas in game one in this series, where rest certainly um, uh, was better than rust. And then they lost a heartbreaking game, too. And they were down two games to none, and yet they still forced a game six and played out of their minds and came with an overtime goal of forcing a game seven. Now they're going to have the benefit of playing in atmosphere, uh, where they're going to get the three games possibly at the Coliseum. So I, I just, I, I really like the Islanders in seven in this one. I think there's a magic carpet ride going here. It matters so much to the fans here, so the atmosphere is going to be tremendous. So I like the Islanders by wrapping things up against Boston early. They're on an even plane with Tampa, which means they can go toe-to-toe with Tampa in those first two games, get the split, which they couldn't do last year in Edmonton in the bubble, and now have an excellent chance to having a best-of-five series, having home ice advantage. And I, I like the Islanders in seven, and I like Vegas in six, and I think we're going to get a Vegas-Islanders-Stanley Cup final. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And the ratings have been good. I think there's a lot of public interest here. And I know this is more of a Michael K. Show statement, and I will try to make this um, statement on the Michael K. Show. You see the difference between like the Nets who have a chance of winning a championship in New York as opposed to the Islanders. It just feels like people care more about the Islanders. Not so much, you know, the ratings haven't been better. The Nets have been better ratings-wise because I think it's basketball versus hockey. It's big three versus the Islanders team that is more about structure than stars. But there's a, there's a passionate fan base that has been hungry for a chance to see their team win. And remember, the Islanders didn't make it out of the first round between 1993 when they went to the conference final and lost to Montreal, all the way to 2016 when they beat Florida in the first round. And they hadn't been to the third round since last year, from 1993 until 2020. And when they finally made it to the conference final, the games were played in Edmonton, Alberta, in front of no fans. And now they're in the conference final and they're getting a chance to play in front of their fan base And I've always said this about Islander fans, because for the longest time, between all the ownership debacle and the threats of moving to Kansas City and playing in a broken building that nobody seemed to want to go to when the team was awful and not being able to hold on to their stars and the whole Mike Milbury embarrassment and all that, is that the Islander fan base was frozen over. And then the Devils win three cups in eight years, and then, of course, the Rangers are the Rangers. But now that the Islanders are, like, good, I mean, really legitimately good. Listen, they went to the playoffs three straight years under Peter Laviolette, got bounced in the first round all three years against uh, Toronto, Ottawa, and Tampa Bay. But this is the first time that they were, like, a legit cup contender since that 93 team. And even that 93 team was kind of just a – a Cinderella story where this one is legitimately built to win a championship. So you could say this team's got their best team since those four straight Stanley Cups. And now the fan base is thought out and everyone is excited and they're feeling it. The Jets have been going to the games and the stuff with Bruce Cassidy and his comments about the New York Saints. And so that lacrosse team is getting remembered. The New Orleans Saints are tweeting about them. 
they've really become a tremendous story, and I think people care about this run more than they care about the Nets run because outside of the Nets fan base, which is passionate for sure, um, it, it looks like a super team that kind of just came together quickly where this Islander team has been built over time. You look at the way Bailey has played. He's been with that team for a dozen years, right? You know, Clutterbuck's been there a long time. Nelson's been there a long time. You know, so, yeah, they brought in pieces. Vorlamov's not a draft pick. Palmieri's not a draft pick. I get that. Boychuk, guys like that that came from other organizations when he was healthy. But, you know, and Eberle as well. But the, the, the smart trades... Smart signings, smart draft picks. Beauvillier is a draft pick. Barzell is a draft pick. So there's a feeling that they built toward this with intelligent coaching and Barry Trotz, with intelligent uh, managing from Lou Lamarillo. And so I just feel like this people have really gravitated to this story, and all those things can really help them get pushed by a Tampa team that might be a little fatigued, obviously, by having to go all the way to the Stanley Cup final and winning it last year. It's so difficult to win back-to-back years. We saw Pittsburgh do it in 16 and 17, but you got to go all the way back to those, ni- these, those 90s Red Wing teams the last time you saw a back-to-back championship. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. We've got the schedule Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock Eastern time on NBC, Tampa, New York, and then Monday uh, we will see game one between Vegas and Montreal. A couple of 9 o'clock starts in games one and two from Vegas, and we got the 3 o'clock start on Saturday, 8 o'clock start on Tuesday for games one and two in what is, I guess, the Wales Conference Final, although we're not calling it conferences, obviously, because there's three Eastern teams and there's one Western team. But you know what I mean. Boy, this is going to be just a hoot. I'm really looking forward to it. And game misconduct will be there along the way. And I will also be doing special Islander shows leading in to the games during the week on 98.7 ESPN New York. So let's close out the week with your tweets. I'm sure a lot of people are chomping at the bit to talk about uh, some hockey right now. Donnell gets us started. He says, hey, Don, now that the Final Four is set, I know that the Islanders and Canadians are underdogs to the Lightning and the Golden Knights. Do you see either team beating them and making it to the finals? Well, I just made my prediction. I think the Islanders will go. I don't see the Canadians going, but I do see at least one upset of the possible two. Uh, Troy says, in the 90s through the early 2000s, the top three goalies were Hasek, Juan, Brodeur. Who would you say are the top three goalies for this era? I got Lundqvist, Price, and Flurry, but I don't feel good about the pick since Flurry only has one Stanley Cup ring as a starter. Well, I get that, and you're talking about the, the three elite, but nobody has a problem putting Hasek in the top three that you had, even though Hasek did not win a ring and only went to the one Stanley Cup final where they lost to the Dallas Stars. So I wouldn't get caught up on rings. Uh, as much as I would get caught up on the fact that the those three are the ones that have had the most wins, the ones that have really been the most consistent. Other guys that I think would be candidates, even though I don't think they've had the long stretches that the three that you mentioned had. You know, Jonathan Quick has won a couple of Stanley Cups. He was an outstanding goaltender, still in this league, still winning, although not at that level. I think Andre Vasilevsky is somebody that has to be considered. Maybe not as long as tenure as either, but you know, he's been a very good goaltender in this league. He's got a Stanley Cup. He's got a Vesna Trophy. Uh, certainly deserves a tremendous amount of consideration there. Even though he's fallen off now in Vancouver, Braden Holpe tied the record for wins in the regular season, has a Stanley Cup. So there's a few off the top of my head, but I think you got it right. Lundqvist, Price, and Flurry, I think, are the best of this era. Uh, Tommy says, who is your Conn Smythe front runner from each remaining team? 
I'm going Bailey, Stone, Price, and Point. All right. Well, I would say you know, Bailey, it's been an amazing story, right? Um, I think he's got a shot. Beauvillier also has a shot, although it's been you know so many different contributors to this run. I think the jury is still out in these next two rounds for sure. Stone has been terrific, but I would still go with Marc-Andre Fleury. I think he's been a difference maker. Price for sure with Montreal. And with Tampa, yeah, you know, Braden Point is such an underrated player, maybe one of the most underrated players uh, in the league. I think those are pretty good selections there. Uh, David says, well, the Avs stunk, um, uh, sunk my bracket, so I'm disappointed in the teams uh, pretty high today. That said, I'd say the Maple Leafs are this year's biggest playoff disappointment. What team do you think had the biggest letdown in the playoffs this year? Well, certainly Toronto, right? Because they win their division and they were heavily favored in the first round, didn't make it out. All right. Um, you, you, you talk about Colorado, but again, Colorado took care of business in the first round, just went up with it, ended up being a team that was very much their equal, if not better. So you can't really say the Avalanche are on the same level. Um, uh, Pittsburgh could be a bit of disappointment as well, you know, making it in the first round. But again, they took out an Islander team that kind of has owned them in recent years, even though they didn't in the regular season. So, but if you look a little deeper, uh, I wasn't shocked. I actually picked the Islanders uh, to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, yeah, that would probably be uh, the biggest one for sure. I don't think there's any question about that. All right, let's go to Matthew who says, I don't look at the Avs season as a disappointment with how good the Golden Knights are, but are the um, but is the Boston Bruins' loss hurts? Are the Islanders better than they're getting credit for? All four lines produced in the D, it was stingy. It's up to the goaltending. Yeah, um, listen, Boston was banged up, all right? They lost Carlo, that was killer, all right? Rask wasn't 100%, that is killer. But to focus on Boston's injuries and say that's the reason they lost is unfair to an Islander team that I thought just played out of their minds and exposed every possible weakness. You know, um, listen, things happen. Injuries take place, okay? Guys get hurt. Do you think it really helped um, that Anders Lee, their captain, the Islanders' captain, was lost for the season? Now they went out and got Zajac and Palmieri, and Palmieri has been terrific. He had six points in the series against Boston, including four goals, but... You know, Boston did pick up Taylor Hall, and Taylor Hall only had one goal and one assist in the series, and the one goal he scored was in the empty net. You know, so uh, they had still had a very good team. Listen, injuries happen, but I don't want to take anything away from what the New York Islanders were able to accomplish. Uh, Yankees and Penguins says, Don, do you think that the big-name free agent coaches will wait to see if the Avalanche head coaching job becomes available before signing anywhere. I don't know what's going to happen with Jared Bednar. I think it would be wrong to let him go. I think he's an outstanding coach. Certainly he's not the reason that Kadri was hurt. He's not the reason that McKinnon struggled. But sometimes coaches do lose their jobs. But I think Bednar has done a terrific job. So I'm not re- I think everybody has been very patiently waiting to see what happens with Brindamore in Carolina. And we should mention that the um, – the Jack Adams Trophy candidates are out there, and Rod Brindamore is a candidate for Coach of the Year, along with Dean Evison from Minnesota. And and a little bit of a surprise to me, Joel Quinville in Florida, because I thought that team was pretty stacked during the course of the year. I know everybody looks at the Panthers as an also-ran, but I thought that was a very good hockey team. I would have had Mike Sullivan and all the injuries that Pittsburgh had to deal with during the regular season as a candidate. So I think more so people are waiting to see what happens in Carolina for two reasons. Obviously, Brenda Moore is going to be a candidate if he officially becomes a free agent and doesn't re-sign with the Hurricanes. And then the Hurricanes is also a pretty 
good job too. Although if you're looking to make a lot of money, I'm not sure that Carolina is the place to go. Brad Larson is now the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, so that's one team that is obviously um, off the table. He was an assistant under John Tortorella, so they kept the consistency there. So congratulations to him on his first head coaching job. Let's uh, go to Tony uh, Terrific7, who says, My prediction is Vegas in six, Lightning in seven. Also, what are the chances the Red Wings make any blockbuster trades this offseason? I know it's a rebuild, but patience is drawing thin from the fan base. It's interesting. Whenever I've done a game in Detroit, and I've done a several, obviously not this year, but in recent years, they are very, very patient. And they're, they're waiting for their young players to kind of get going. But I'm with you. I think at some point you're going to have to accelerate it a little bit. That fan base is getting impatient. They've been awful now for the last few years. And it hasn't necessarily paid dividends as far as getting the first overall pick. I'm not suggesting tanking, but certainly they've been patient, and I think part of that patience was hoping that they would get themselves a difference maker in the draft, and they haven't had a chance to do that. So the only way to do that, in my opinion, would be to make a deal, and they do have some pieces they can move if they want to. They made the Mantha deal, uh, obviously, during the offseason, which was a tough thing to give up for sure, but they have made deals, but can they make a big blockbuster deal? We'll have to wait and see on that fantasy hockey trade says will montreal be able to figure out mark andre fleury montreal is riding high after that sweep of winnipeg but i think vegas they're too talented up and down the lineup vegas is prime for another cup run i 100 percent agree with you i'm giving the six to montreal just because i feel like you know price has been such a difference but i i look at that vegas team and i look at the speed and i look at the physicality i look at what all four lines have been able to do to contribute how their blue line contributes as well um the the, the trade for Petran- getting petrangelo was such a difference maker for them and obviously um theodore has played well he had a big assist to put the game away i'm with you i just think Vegas is destined for the cup. Uh, Giancarlo says, will the, NHL, um, will the NHL make any changes to the cap for the playoffs? Although they didn't break any rules, the Lightning circumvented the cap and are in essence cheating. Love that Doug, uh, Dougie Hamilton called them out on it. it, it it's a re- I don't know what you do. You know, uh, do you have proof that Kucherov and Stamkos were, were were not hurt? You know, and and that you can bring these guys. And there's a lot of circum. The league's really going to have to dive in. People that are way more intelligent than me. Maybe we can bring this up to EJ Giancarlo. Make sure you tweet that or remind me in some way, shape, or form for Monday, because EJ's really big on the salary cap, really big on the numbers to see if that could be um, something that he can answer. Uh, certainly better than I can. But um, there is a lot of allegations that that might be the case. Joe says, hey, Don, I would love to see a return to the old school pre-94 divisional schedule and playoff format. It makes divisional play and rivalries mean something. The regular season the regular season means something. I, I would like it too. Um, I, I like, uh, listen, I like the one through eight format than this format. Forget about this format, the format that they've been using with the brackets. I hate that. I would rather go back to one through eight. But if you wanted to have something similar to this, where you can reconstruct, you can do that now with Seattle coming into the league, where you can reconstruct the four divisions and do one, four, two, three, where you get divisional play the first two rounds. Because as much as you want to see variety, 
and how cool it is that Vegas is playing Montreal in the conference final. And it's like something new. It's different. And to see, you know, um, a first-round matchup, it's against non-traditional conference teams. Like, to, to see see Boston and the Islanders playing in the second round of the playoffs or, or seeing something you normally didn't get a chance to see – People do feel like you get to that second round and you know they get the excitement of the first round and the excitement of the third and obviously the final, but sometimes the second round can get a little redundant. But if you're playing for a division playoff championship and you're playing a team that you're very familiar with and the rivalries are really heated, uh, could be um, a lot of fun. But uh, I, I think the NHL will come up with some sort of format that I think will uh, be better than what we've seen with these brackets. Hopefully they can kind of go back to something that's a little bit more traditional. Um, Haywood says, hey, Don, uh, this was a surprise Final Four for the Stanley Cup. Who do you see moving on? I say we get the Lightning and the Golden Knights to be the ones getting theirs. Uh, like, like I said, that's, I've got the I got the Islanders and the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, but how can you be surprised if it ends up being the Lightning in Vegas? And again, that was my pick when I did the brackets, but just watching how things have gone, watching how this Islander team has matured, uh, this would be uh, really, really something uh, to see that kind of a final happen. Okay, uh, here's the lay of the land. Coming up on Monday, we'll talk to E.J. Raddick. I'll try to remember about the uh, the Tampa Bay situation with him, get his thoughts on the Final Four. It'll already be underway, obviously, because we're going to have um, – well, at least uh, the one series will be underway with the Islanders and the Lightning. They'll already have finished their game one on Sunday, but we won't have started uh, the other final until Monday night. So we'll at least be kind of underway Monday, but still enough to be able to get his predictions. I don't think he's going to be swayed by one game uh, in that series. So we'll get his thoughts on uh, all uh, all four of those teams coming up on Monday. Want to get in touch with me over the weekend? Best way to do it, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Having some fun. Final four is set. Tampa, New York, Vegas, Montreal. We're all over it. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.